0: Take your Bible, if you would, and join me tonight for, Lord willing, these are the famous last words of preachers, but for just a few moments. So take your Bibles, join me in Isaiah chapter 43, Isaiah 43. There are three passages of scripture in my own personal history that are some some really significant markers. Now, now there are a lot of markers scripturally along the way that I would point to and say, hey, these are meaningful for, for very specific reasons, but... Three passages along the, the, the journey of my life, the pathway of my life, that are these really significant markers. Uh, Exodus chapter three, there is a, a statement there that the Lord used when, when he was calling me into youth ministry, specifically youth ministry at Campus Church. And there were the words, certainly I will be with thee. And I needed to hear those words. I was, I was wow, 22, 23 years old and uh, the Lord was was opening a door and telling me to walk through it and I just needed to hear those words and it was a timely important reminder I I remembered that that calling for a lot of years and and it still stands out as one of those markers today then the passage we're going to look at tonight this was a passage that the Lord used next as another one of those significant ministry markers when he seemed to be sending us from a place that we dearly loved. And we, we had no intention of leaving Campus Church, but the Lord said, hey, I have something that, that I'm doing, and you're supposed to listen. So we did, and the passage we'll look at tonight was another one of those markers. And then we still had no intention of going anywhere. I thought I'm going to be one of those guys that, that stays for who knows how many years, and, and the Lord will wrap up that ministry in Colorado and and call us home but the Lord had other plans so Job chapter 14 verse 15 was another one of those markers along the way that the Lord just in his goodness said you're going to need a clear sign from me well this is the passage tonight that the Lord was using to say I'm going to do something that you haven't thought of So he says, remember ye not the former things. In fact, let's look at the verse, Isaiah 43. Start in verse number 18, and then we'll look into verse number 19. Isaiah 43, beginning in verse 18, the Bible says, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Okay, let me ask you this as we, as we get started. How many of you are kind of like the family um, IT person? You're the, you're the tech person that everybody calls when there's, how many of you, that's you, raise your hand. Okay, how many of you when you see who it's calling, you don't answer? Okay, all right, a couple of you as well. You know, a lot of you are the resident uh, family tech person. They know if they have an issue with their computer, if they're having a problem with their phone, that they call you because you're going to have the answer. And how many of you that are the tech person for the family, how many of you, the first question out of your mouth and you say it repeatedly, you'd think that after 37 calls, they would finally, you know, remember. The first question out of your mouth is, so have you, you finish it. They're, they're calling about a problem with their computer. They have some issue. And the first thing that you say is you say, mom, have you tried what? <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> have you tried restarting your computer? How many of you, that's the advice that you go, okay. That's what you say. Mom, did you restart your computer? She says, oh no, I forgot. Okay. And well, mom, restart your computer or restart your phone and then call me back. In a couple months and we'll have the same conversation. (laughs) Okay, what you're saying is you need a restart. You need a reboot. You need something, you know, that happens when you get this this fresh restart on your computer. We had a, a pretty significant freeze here in Pensacola area recently. So Julie and I were gone. We were in in Colorado, I guess, and, and uh, visiting family, and it got really cold here in Pensacola. So before we left, we knew it was going to get cold, so I went, out, I went out back. We have some plants on the patio, and I made these big, these big plastic covers for them, And uh, man, I I spent all this time on these and and I've used them for a couple different winters. And when I know it's going to freeze, I put these big plastic covers over two sections of these potted plants. And there's a four or five in each corner of the patio. And so, man, I have it all set up and a little hook that I did on the top of these covers. And I covered them all up, tucked in the bottoms and sealed off the seam. And, and I am ready for the cold weather. Well, when I got home, it was a little bit colder than my covers had provided for I needed some serious insulation and, and it did not provide. So when I came back, I came back to not only dead potted plants, they, were, they are completely wiped out. I came home to a lot of dead landscaping. So it, it is unsightly, it just doesn't obviously look good. So this past Monday, in fact, I don't have a picture to show you, but I have a picture on my phone. This past Monday, Julie and I went out and I'm, I'm just cutting down all kinds of, of growth. And I mean, I'm just, you know, I got my big clippers out and I'm cutting it all down and I have piles of stuff. Out in front of our house, after we're bagging up all of this loss, there are just these rows of bags. Now, it's leaves and debris, but there's just a lot of, of dead material that I cut down because of that significant freeze. Now, I don't have to do that every year, but this year, because of the, the how frozen things became, I cut down a lot of stuff. And as I did and we bagged it up and I'm looking at these piles of bags and debris out front, I thought, you know, there is something that I like about this. Most of the things that I cut down and most of the things that are piled in bags are are gonna come back again. Their roots run deep and, and what it got, my yard just got some reboot. It got something that that is starting over again. And I will tell you, as much as I I will miss all of the the growth that was some, I don't know, some some established growth, I am really looking forward to because I just I anticipate it, I look for it. This this spring. And not too many weeks down the road, I'm going to see some new life spring forth from that which looks really desolate and dead right now. My yard got this wonderful reboot. It has something now that is just wiped clean and there's going to be something that is fresh and new. I think January oftentimes gives us at least the mental occasion to think about fresh beginnings, new starts. We don't have to have January to have it. It's just an occasion to pause and ponder and think. When we start to pause and ponder at sometimes the desolation of a landscape, there is also not just the desolation, but the anticipation of something that's coming. I wonder when you start to think about a fresh start, what is it that are a few of the components that you have to have, that I have to have when I'm thinking about, man, there's been a lot of loss. There's a lot of empty, barren landscape. What is it that you and I personally have to start to mentally engage, biblically start to process to think about some new beginning, a fresh start? Well, again, your Bibles are open to Isaiah chapter 43. With that in mind, think again about verse number 18. Verse number 18 says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Do you know the first thing that is, is not revolutionary, but it's a wonderful, helpful, timely reminder? What God's saying here is good and bad. Those things that were gained, those things that were lost... Those things that we we cherish, those things that we, we, we cannot too soon forget. He says, stop living in your yesterday. There are some things about yesterday that are worth remembering, but not worth reliving. You have a day today that you are called to live. And so God says rather plainly, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Stop continually living in your yesterday. The prophet Isaiah is saying, don't think that God is limited to working in the past. And while the past can give us confidence in God and strengthen our trust in him, we should never think that the future will be less than the past. Now, I'm not talking about your nation. I'm not talking about your your bank account. I'm not talking about all those things, those victories of days gone by. You know, sometimes we, we hear politicians say, I believe our best days are yet to come. Well, I don't know what the future holds for our nation, but I do know who holds me. I do know what my future looks like. And let me tell you, the one who has my future prepared has a future tomorrow that is clearly better than my yesterday. Do you know how I'm going to live for all of eternity? Far better than I have lived these past 58 years. Do you know, you and I have something about tomorrow, even just our tomorrow, that is fresh and new and available for every person. You and I have a tomorrow that doesn't have to be, be, you know, defined by my yesterday. When we start to think about it, our past successes are no guarantee of future victory. If we continue to just think, well, you know, I I had this victory yesterday, so that means I have to have one. No, no, stop living there in your victory of, of days gone by. The Bible says in Judges chapter 16, verse number 20, and she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. You have a guy named Samson who had some wonderful victories of days gone by, but that was no assurance that he's going to have the same victory yesterday that he's going to have tomorrow. Hey, Samson, stop living in the past and find new strength for today. Your failures of the past are not intended to be taken with you into the future. Okay, I had some victories in my past. Okay, but I need a new victory for my tomorrow. And then when you start thinking about your failures, I've had some failures of the past. That doesn't mean it has to define my tomorrow. How often do we allow our failures of the past to begin to frame how we think about our future? You know, when you start to think through the, the history of Scripture, it's, it is it is raw with people whose lives were marked by failure and then they started to say hey listen my past doesn't have to define my future and we have some major characters throughout scripture for example one of them in psalm chapter 51 said create in me a clean heart O god and then he says you're gonna have to do something I know you can do this I've seen you do it before but I need this right now because my past is not to define my future and so then he says and renew I've had a right spirit with you before, but it's not at this moment. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And then not only renew, he says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. David's looking forward to that which God has in his hopeful future, not defining his future by his past. Remember, Satan's a liar. He wants you to believe that there is no future following your failure. It's simply not true. And considering what's most important, is it the beginning or the end? And I think we all know the answer to that. Have you ever, how many of you are runners? You you like to run and you run sometimes, you know, competitively or you have in the past. How many of you have been that person? Have you ever been the person that is fast out of the gate, but slow to the finish? What's better at that moment, the the, the person who just bolts out of the gate, so to speak, or the person who finishes with the steady gate? Listen, the end of a matter, Ecclesiastes 7, 8, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. You may have begun poorly, but that doesn't mean it's the way you must finish. Remember, the race that you are running is not behind you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one, let us run with patience the race that is set. Do you know the next word? Do you remember it? Let us run with patience the race that is set. What's the next word? Before you. It is not something that is uncommon to what Christ has before him. In verse number two of the same passage, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. He is looking forward to, I know I have the cross, but I am enduring the cross for the sake of future joy, joy that is before me. You have a race that is not your history. You have a race that is set before you. How is it that we get a fresh start? Well, first we stop living in our past, both our victories and our failures. We can learn from, but not relive. Where else do we go from here? Well, stop living in your past. Next is fairly obvious. Start living in the present. Start living today. What will you do today that was different than you did yesterday? I want something to change in my life. There is something that should be removed. There is something that should be added. I want a different conclusion Okay, so what will you do today that was different than your yesterday? What will you do tomorrow that is not the same as you have done today? Start living in the present. Again, verse number 19 in our passage, Isaiah 43, verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, if we do continually, as we've mentioned, live in the past, we will never embrace the future. What is it that God has for you right now? Now, there are some things that we just tend to, I don't know, default to about our past. Um, This was a, it was just a silly reminder for me recently. So I think it was yesterday uh, pastor Young's sitting down here. So yesterday, Pastor Young sent me a text with an image attached. And he said, look what I found. Well, I don't know where he found it. I don't know where it came from. But he found one of my old youth calendars that I used to put together when I was youth pastor. And uh, they were huge. You know, they weren't these concise, handy little things. They were big can- calendars, a page a month. And, and I'm telling you, I was a friend of clip art, okay? Okay. I liked clip art in my calendars and so, um, and especially, now now that calendar, this was a 1995 calendar, okay? How many of you were not born in 1995? Raise your hand. Okay, that's, put your hands down. Okay, so this is a 1995 era calendar and computers had sprung upon the youth ministry. And I had a little, I had this little scanner and it was a hand scanner and I could just roll this scanner over my books of clip art and uh, uh, mysteriously magically I could insert that clip art into PageMaker and uh, assemble these calendars and he sent me a copy of an old can he took a picture of it sent me a copy of it I have it saved in my special precious memories folder and so he sent it to me and I sent right back to him I said somebody did a really great job on that calendar. And I anticipated him writing back and say, yeah, that was really nicely done. But he didn't send that back. He said, I said again, somebody did a really nice job on that calendar. And he said, yeah, for the 90s, okay. (laughs) It's not very funny, actually, okay. He said, yeah, for the 90s. And as soon as he said that, I, I started to just chuckle. I'm like, oh, man, for the 90s. Isn't it strange how you never really consider yourself to be old? Okay. Right? I mean, how many of you are old? Raise your hand. Okay. Some of you acknowledging. But, but how many of you have a hard time admitting it? Or at least I have a hard time my shoulder doesn't work that way, so I can't raise my hand. Okay. Okay. We have a hard time acknowledging or admitting. There are certain things obviously as we age that we look at with some sense of nostalgia. We look at with some fondness because that's from our yesterday. I mean we get at a certain age and we start saying listen when I was a kid and those stories all start coming back and all of a sudden we hear our dad speaking in our head. Well back when I was a kid you know and and, uh, you know, the stories that start to come out and all of these are our yesterday. Do you know, I find that at, at times we start to do that in our, our Christianity in ways that are, are really not biblical and, and at times we try to make it biblical. I'm not trying to be silly about this and I'm certainly not trying to be unkind. But when we talk about a fresh start, Sometimes we we use the expression old paths as a cover for those things that, quite frankly, we just like, but are not distinctly biblical. If if we're talking about, okay, Lord, you are calling me right now at this moment with a new day, a new opportunity, new things in front of me. We cannot just simply put some tag on something and say it's good because it's old. The, the, the passage of scripture that oftentimes we use is Jeremiah chapter 6, verse number 16. It says, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, Where's the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. What are the old paths? The old paths are the ways of righteousness. They were the paths that always led us to the need for a redeemer and our singular reliance on him. Sadly, at times today, we, or, or there are those who hold to a belief that the old paths only means something like, forgive the silliness of this, but something like meeting under a tent for a revival service. Or if we wanted to have something hit a little bit closer to home, sometimes people think that, that well, old paths is only singing from a hymn book and, and not from any other means. I'm all for, I, don't, I genuinely don't desire to be unkind about this. I'm, I'm all for a hymn book, have no compulsion against one. But it certainly should not be applied to old paths. It could be applied to, I have a strong preference and I even have good reasons as to why I like a hymn book. There could be lots of reasons like that, but, but not the old paths that Scripture is speaking of. Because hymn books didn't exist when, when Jeremiah was writing of the old paths. For me, in my mind, I, I have these old, you know, they're not so, so fond, but when I think about growing up, what are the old paths? What was that like? Well, for me as a kid, it was growing up in a really stiflingly hot Michigan church with no air conditioning. And the ladies used to, did you ever have one of those fold-up fans that you kept in your purse? And, or you just, you know, pulled out three or four bulletins from your Bible, and, and then you start to fan yourself, and you'd fan your sleeping, sweating child on your lap, and, and you're trying to pay attention to the, you know, that, that's how it used to be, right? Well, is anybody still attached to that? Like, oh, I miss those days. I don't miss those days at all, Okay. Are there some things that we might miss about those old paths? Do you know one of the things that I miss that I just have these wonderful feelings about is we used to close almost every service with blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. I I can remember just as a little kid singing that song. There's something special about that, something historic, something nostalgic, but, but not something distinctly biblical. So if we're going to start saying, how do I have this fresh start? We have to start living in the present and not trying to say that something is valuable simply because it's old. What we have to do is we have to know that these are the paths of righteousness. There are some things that are timeless and there are other things that are timely. And we have to have the discernment to know the difference between the two. You know, for, for, for years, we used things like overhead projectors. How many of you remember those? And somebody that was really good with them, and they put another transparency down, and man, they could write and, and communicate, and well, boy, maybe there are people who say, I just love those. Well, w- wonderful, but that might have been one of those timely matters rather than a timeless matter. The new thing that God was promising was likened to some spectacular new growth that came from a completely barren area. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. On Sunday night, we had what we called our vision service. I can't tell you how encouraging it's been to have received emails from people who've said, hey, this might sound kind of crazy, but this is ministry that the Lord's given to us. And they start unfolding and just unpacking some of the different aspects of ministry that God's given to them right now, today. It's staggering to think that we live in 2023. It really, it, it for, for me, quite frankly, it's mind-boggling. I, I can remember when 1982, the year that was my high school graduation, seemed like, man, I am never going to get to 1982. L- listen, time comes and time goes. What is it that God has for us in 2023 that is that new life springing from what might otherwise be called some barren area? I think it's healthy for all of us to ask personally, individually, Lord, what new thing do you want to spring forth in my life in 2023? What is it that we do if if we're trying to see this fresh start? Stop living in the past, start living in the present, and lastly... Stand firm on his promises. Again, in verse number 19, I like the fact that he he repeats this twice. He says, behold, I will, behold, I will do a new thing. He's not saying, do you know what I may do? Do you know what I am likely to do? Do you know what I'm going to do if I am so inclined? God doesn't say any of that. God says, hey, let me tell you, I'm going to do. I will do. And then he repeats it. He says, now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will Again, this is not some hopeful, long-off, far away, good desire. This is God saying, this is what I am going to do. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Wouldn't it be the wise person who says, if God's going to do something, I want to be a part of it. God is going to do something. He does have a plan. He is marching it forward. Wouldn't it be wise on our part to simply say, hey, God, I sign me up. I'd like to be a part of that. Do you know, in, in our lives, it is typically not that grand decision of, I'm finally going to take the step to, it usually, the grand is usually the, the summation of the small. The, the, the small just the the little decisions. I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna take these steps and those. And then before you know it, wow, some of the grand decisions of life have come together. God is doing. He does have the the promise of his word, the, the confirmation of this is what I will. So wouldn't it be wise for you and I to say, I I don't mean this to be shameless promotion of need but wouldn't it be wise for a person to say hey uh there's a need for for uh service at at the the men's stakeout? and sign me up what you need you need someone to help with um yeah absolutely what what is there an opportunity for come on we used to do something years ago on missions trips with teenagers, and um, it was when there was a need for service. It could be, okay, the dishes have to be done on this mission trip, and we're, we're, we just had a meal and the dishes have to be done, or, or someone has to go clean up whatever, or I need someone to run for What we did is we used to, to just shout opportunity alert. And the first teenager that, that got to, you know, the, whoever usually me, the first teenager that got to me got to do the opportunity. And we tried to make it a big deal, like, hey, opportunity alert. And man, teenagers would just start running to be the first one to tag me because then they got the oppor- they got to do the opportunity. Now some of them, I think, you know, were a little slower than they could have been. Like, oh, I'm hurrying no, you go ahead. You know, that kind of a thing. But man, so many of the kids, as soon as you'd say opportunity alert, just wham, and they are genuinely hurrying to push another kid out of the way to be the first person to the opportunity. We do live in a bit of a different world today. Comforts and ease and time and I, I don't begrudge a person any of those things. I, I enjoy a comfortable evening and, and time to think and to just refresh. I, I'm not begrudging anyone any of those things, but isn't there, isn't there in God's economy time for all of these things to be put together in a way that, that challenges us and honors him and allows him to start doing new things These are the promises of God. He is doing something. God, I want to be a part of it. Have you ever considered the fact that God may be waiting for you to take a a step of faith forward with his promises so that he can once again in a new way reveal his power? Doesn't God want to reveal his strength on behalf of any and all who will trust in him? I wonder if he's waiting for you to to just take that step so that he can once again show himself strong. You know, Gideon's an interesting study in scripture. Judges chapter 6, this is just a snippet of his whole experience, but the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Gideon, God is with you. That is a settled fact. Gideon hesitantly said unto him, oh, my Lord. You kind of get that Southern feel from him. Oh, my Lord. You know, he's just like, oh, what in the world? And then he goes on, he says, if the Lord be with us. Why then is all this befallen us and where be all his miracles, which the the fathers told us of saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. He's just not taking God at his word. Listen, Gideon, God is calling you and the Lord is with you. When you look at Judges chapter six, in fact, if you, if you take time to do a little walk through Judges six, just look at all the times the word if is used there. Gideon, if, 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 he keeps pulling up that word. And you know, what he should have done is in his own narrative, he should have circled the word is, the Lord is with you. What a patient promise from God. Verse number 16, later, and the Lord said unto him, surely I will be with thee and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Gideon's still gonna hesitate, he's still gonna throw out the fleece, but God just so patiently says, Gideon, I'm with you. Stand firm on his promises. You need a restart? Okay, then, then stop You know, living in your past, victories or defeats. Start living today. This is the day the Lord's given to me right now. What am I going to do with this day? Stand firm on his promises and know that regardless of your past, victory or defeat, God is with you today to do great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Recently, in fact, our last day in Israel, we stopped by, it wasn't much of a a extended visit. It was in the evening, it was at night, but we stopped by Joppa. And Joppa is a port city, so you can see Tel Aviv um, on the other side of the channel, and there's quite a port there. It's an active port and and still quite busy. It's the place where um, Hiram, king of Tyre, he would have floated the cedars down And uh, that's where Solomon would have picked them up and and had them taken to Jerusalem for the building of the temple. It's a place where, where the apostle Peter was with Simon the Tanner. There's a lot of things that happened in Joppa. But you probably also remember another thing that happened in Joppa. Joppa, the port city, that's the place where Jonah went to Joppa to get on a ship that went to Tarshish to flee from the presence of the Lord. And so he got in a vessel and, and um, you know, God sent the storm and, and uh, you know, one, two, three, over goes Jonah. And then God prepared another vessel for Jonah. And, um, and then eventually, you know, Jonah cries out to God and, and the, the, the next vessel, that great fish, you know, spews him out. And have you ever thought about how gracious these words are? And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. God gave Jonah another reset. He gave him a fresh start. I wonder if God's ever spoken to you and now God is actually speaking again a second time, we would be wise to listen to God and to see God do in our lives, this year, this week, do great and mighty things that he knows that we know not.